0: All right, well, good morning. It's good to see all Love you. I missed you last week. Hope you enjoyed a little bit of time in the snow. I know uh, we did, uh, just doing some sledding and building in the backyard what Eden kept referring to as Olaf over and over and over. Uh, but we had a good time, but it's good to be with you this morning. Where I grew up in Bartow County, Georgia, we only had three sports in the rec leagues when I was growing up. You had uh, basketball. And you had baseball, and you had football. There was no soccer. There was no lacrosse. That was it. That was it. So that's what we did. In the wintertime, it was basketball. In the spring, it was baseball, and summer was off. And in the fall, you had football. And so that's what I did. That's what I lived for. That's what I did my whole youth growing up. And when you begin high school, and as a freshman, you're 5'3 and 95 pounds, football, all of a sudden, is out the window, all right? And you're 5'3", unless you're Muggsy Bogues. Uh, basketball is probably not going to go very well for you either, so that's how I kind of got into running. But, but before, you know, I stopped growing and then started again, basketball was something that uh, I really enjoyed and probably the best sport of mine that involved a ball, and it's wintertime, so let's, let's talk basketball by way of kind of an introduction here. If, if I was going to ask a question as it relates to basketball, Like, what is, besides your your head and your brain, those sorts of things, what is the most important um, body part as it relates to playing basketball, what would you say? Like, what would your answer on that be? Is it your hands? Because you've got to have, you know, good ball handling skills, follow through with your shot, sorts of thing. Is it um, your, your arms so you can reach, so that you, is it your legs so that you can jump and you can propel yourself down the court? Is it your feet? Because you've got to have good footwork and those sorts of things. What What is the most important part of your body? And the reality is that's an unanswerable question because you've got to have all of those parts all working together in order to be a successful basketball player. Right? You're never going to see out on the court just a bunch of legs running down the court then just a bunch of... Hands out there—that's not going to go well. You've got to have all of these parts all working together to be a successful player. And it's the same thing in the church. We've got to have all of us working together. We just read, uh, Val, we just read out of the book of Romans that we are a body, that we are members one of another, and 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 so if like we're going to get destroyed in the game of worshiping and enjoying God and leading others to do the same if all we have are a bunch of legs on the court, if all we have are a bunch of feet on the court, if all we have is a bunch of hands or arms or or elbows, we want to swing those elbows in basketball, right? So if you just have that, you're going to get destroyed in the game. But if we have all of those parts all working together, now we can carry out God's mission. And when I talk about mission, I think it's important that we we understand one specific thing. Like, God did not create the church and then think to himself, hmm, I need to give them something to do. I know, I'll give them a mission to complete. No, God had a mission to redeem the world through his son, and so what he did in answer to that is he gave the church. Like, that's what we're to do. He has a mission, and he works through the church to carry... that mission, to complete that mission of bringing people to know Jesus, to worship and enjoy him and lead others to do the same. And so it takes all of us that God has knit all of us together. To accomplish this, he said, you're going to be members of one another and some of you are going to be hands and some of you are going to be eyes and some of you are going to be ears and some of you are going to be uh, feet. And you're going to work together, and and all of you together are going to make this happen. So it means all of us, like it takes all of us to accomplish God's work. It also means like in God's work of sanctification, it takes all of us. I've said it before, but um, I can't be the Christian that God wants me to be without you. And you can't be the Christian God wants you to be without me. And you can't be the Christian God wants you to be without you. And you can't be the Christian God wants you to be without you. And you can't be the Christian God wants you to be without you. And you without you. Like It takes all of us together. We're a body. We're members one of another. And he's knit us together. And he calls us to serve one another. Like all over the scriptures you see this call. Serve one another. We've already seen it a couple of times. 1 Peter chapter 4 says serve one another. Galatians 5.13 says serve one another. Romans 12 that we just read a moment ago says outdo one another in showing honor. Serve the Lord. Psalm 100 verse 2 says serve the Lord with gladness. If you just go off, I mean we could go on and on and on with these calls to serve one another. It's all over the scripture. We're called to serve God. We're called to serve the church. And we're called to serve God the community. And this is the third part of the process of how do we seek to fulfill our purpose statement? How do we worship and enjoy God and lead others to do the same? So a couple weeks ago we talked about number 1. Step number 1 in the process is we worship, all right? We 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 gather for worship. We gather corporately. That's number 1. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that we are to grow in Christ, and in particular, we're to grow in groups. And so Pastor John preached an outstanding message out of Acts 2. If you weren't here for that, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, Preached out of Acts 2, and what you see in Acts 2 is you see immediately that the the new church, the believers, they are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, That's step one. They're gathering together um, in worship. And then what do you see right after that? You see them breaking bread in homes. You see them gathering together and growing in groups. And then right after that, you see them doing something else. Let me just read it to you. See if you can pick up on the, what, what else they're doing in all of this. What else are they doing? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Okay? So you've got the big gathering, step one. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so what else are they doing? They're gathering in worship. They're growing in groups. And the third thing you see them doing is serving one another. Right? They don't, no one has need. They'll sell their possessions to, in order to um, serve one another. And so that right away you see that. You see that we're served. And so again, how are we to function? How are we to carry out our purpose of worshiping and enjoying God and leading others to do the same? We gather in worship. We grow in groups. We serve the church and the community. And then fourthly, we'll talk about this one next week. We go to our neighbors and the nations. But today, we're talking about serving the church and and the community. And so this morning, that's really, I just want to kind of walk through that. Because I think sometimes when we hear the word serve, we automatically just default, begin thinking, serve the community. And I want to say a hearty amen to that. Yes, the an amen. We absolutely do that. We are called to serve the community. But we're also every bit as much called to serve one another as a church body. And service costs. It costs time. It costs convenience. Sometimes it costs money. But it's a fruit of love. It's a fruit of following Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. I mean, if the the King of glory came to serve, Who are we to ever think, well, I'm here to get my needs met, not worry about other people's needs. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's lay some groundwork here first. So if, if you're taking notes, here's the way this is going to go down. We're going to do this. Number one, we're going to talk about the fact that serving is commanded. Number two, we're going to talk about the fact that serving is modeled. Number three, we're going to talk about the fact that motivation matters. And then number four, we'll talk about two avenues of service and so let's just jump right into the first one the fact that serving is command all right and we've already seen this we've already read several scriptures serve one another serve one another serve one another all imperatives all command words and so we need to understand this not suggestions this is the God of the universe Holy, Sovereign, All-Powerful, All-Knowing, Eternal has commanded this. So for the believer, it's not an option. Sometimes I think we treat service in the church... And in the community, like it's an optional thing, like if there's some leftovers in my schedule, then I'll try to work that in. But my schedule always comes first and then maybe serving God and serving others, love God, love neighbors. And so we'll begin treating that like I have an option to gather for worship. It's optional to grow in groups. It's optional to serve the church in the community, but for the person that's living for Christ or endeavoring to, failing constantly, but falling forward, it's not optional. The God of the universe has commanded these things. And yes, you're going to take a vacation, and yes, you're going to get sick. And yes, maybe you've got to work and all that. But but as I've asked before, what do you call it when you just actively choose on purpose to disobey a command of God? Sin. Sin's what you call it. So Donald Whitney puts it like this in talking about the fact that we are called, we are commanded to serve. He says, and I'm going to quote him several times today. He he writes, God's word has no place for spiritual unemployment or spiritual retirement or any other description of a professing Christian not serving God. I mean, these things are not optional for the believer that's growing in godliness. Matter of fact, a a growing Christian is always a serving Christian. Now, you can be a serving Christian who's not necessarily growing in Christ. You're just serving. You're just doing it. But you can't be someone who's growing and not serve. It will flow out of it always. And as believers, the Lord has gifted each one of us uniquely and individually with, with gifts that he wants us to employ in the service of the church. I mean, if you look at 1 Corinthians and you get through the weirdness with all the tongues and all that stuff, where it's, but where it's laying out, not weirdness, but you know what I'm talking about. If you get in there and you, you look at it, it lays out this long list of spiritual gifts And then you get into chapter 14 and like five or six times it says use all of them for the upbuilding of the church, for the upbuilding of the church, for the upbuilding of the church. Like in particular, you look at chapter 14, verse 12, it says strive to excel in building up the church. Chapter 14, verse 26, let all things be done for building up the church. And so God has given each member of this body a specific gift to be used in service to the church and the community, okay, our our neighbors. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so number one, we've got to understand that service is a priority, not a pastime. Serving is commanded. But not only is it commanded, it's also, number two, modeled. Okay, number two, serving is modeled. So flip over, if you've got a Bible... Flip over to John chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, grab one around you and grab that. Turn to page 585. If you literally don't own a Bible, take the one that's around you home with you. It's our gift to you. Page 585. John chapter 13. A familiar passage. But think about what's actually happening here. Page 585, John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. All right, we're talking about serving as modeled. Watch this. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, so notice this, Jesus has all authority, He has all power, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, Jesus, God incarnate, rose from supper, He laid aside His outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around His waist, and then He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel, that was wrapped around him. What is crazy here is this is the absolute lowliest of jobs that you could have in the first century. This was the job that was given to um, the, the lowliest servant on the clipboard. This was the worst one. People didn't, didn't wear shoes, they wore sandals, and it was dusty and it was hot, and there was animal stuff everywhere. And so you came into your house, it was the culture, you, you washed their feet, but it was a, the lowliest of servant who would do that. Like one summer, I worked at a grocery store called City Market, and I was the last guy on the clipboard um, because we went and signed up and I wound up just being the last one on the clipboard. So I got the last pick of the shifts, which means I always had to close shop. I always had to, you know, shut it down in my role. That included cleaning the public bathrooms. Disgusting. Disgusting. In Jesus here, God incarnate took on the role of the lowliest of servants and washed His disciples' feet. With the whole point being to show the humility that must mark followers of Christ. I mean, if the church is to be known for one thing, it should be humility. And unfortunately, it's usually known for the opposite of that. Show the humility that must mark the follower of Christ and the humility. Look at Jesus. The humility to serve in the most humiliating of ways. And so if our service Like if our service to a a brother or to the church is based on what we get in return, maybe not like practically, but in notoriety and reputation and what people might think of us, how they might esteem us. Or if our service is conditioned on the basis of how we feel about something, then it's self-service, not self-sacrifice. It's treating the church like a bankrupt 50-50 marriage. And do you know what I mean by a 50-50 marriage? A 50-50 marriage is, I'll love you if you love me. It, it's Gollum saying to Frodo and, and Sam, we be nice to you if you be nice to us. It's, this, it's a contract. I'll do this, and, and as long as you make me happy, as long as you're doing what I want... Then we'll have a good marriage, but if you don't, forget it. It's over. That's not God's design for marriage. Biblical marriage, God's design, is not a 50-50 contract. It's a 100% giving, 100% giving covenant where you give no matter what you wind up getting in return. That's not part of the equation. The equation is you loving your spouse no matter what they do because ultimately you love the Lord. You've covenanted to love them no matter how they love you back. Where you take up your cross, biblical, you take up your cross daily and you die to your desires, your wants, and live for the other. You're going to fail. Like I've already failed at it today, but you're. Failing forward. That's what it is. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll save you if you do this, this, and this. No, He he came and and He saved us. He went to the cross for us even as we all chanted, crucify Him. Because that's what sin is. Every time we sin, we're chanting crucify Him. And so... Biblical marriage is not some 50-50 contract. It's a 100-100 covenant to live for the other person and not because they deserve it, but because Christ does. And it's the same thing in the church. So if you've got a 50-50 marriage going on and you can't control the other person, but you can control you, if you're living that out, I'll give if you give, but if you don't, I won't. I'd, I'd encourage you to repent. In turn, so that Acts 2 streams of refreshment may flow in from the Lord, because that's what repentance does. It brings refreshment. And so, if you've got a 50 50 marriage like that, I'd encourage you to repent. And if you've got a 50 50 arrangement with the church, repent. We're to serve one another. When it's easy, and when it's fun, and when it's fulfilling, And when it's mundane and annoying and sacrificial and hard, which is more the norm. Whitney again, he says, we're drawn to the appeal of service when it holds out the promise of bold adventure, but repelled when it means, as it often does, feeling banished to serve Christ in a dreary corner of a seemingly inconsequential place. And so like, to have served Jesus in the three years when He was on earth would have been an incredible adventure. right? Can you imagine walking with Jesus during those three years of His ministry? That would have been incredible. But to have served Him three years earlier as a sweeper and saw sharpener in the carpenter's shop wouldn't have been as appealing, but it would have been just as much serving. And so quoting Whitney some more, I told you I was going to do a lot. The ministry of serving may be as public as preaching or teaching, but more often, it will be sequestered caring for a child. It may be as visible as singing on stage, but usually it'll go as unnoticed as operating the sound equipment to amplify the singing. Serving may be as appreciated as a powerful testimony like Chris gave in a worship service, but typically it's as thankless as washing dishes after a church social. Most service, even that which seems the most appealing, we perceive as we would the tip of an iceberg. Only the eyes of God sees the larger, hidden part of it. Because that's ultimately who we're serving. Right? So Flip over to Colossians 3. I want to show you this. In Colossians 3, if you got page 639. Colossians 3, verse 18. We're going to read something that we preach through in about four sermons, so there's a lot here, but I just want to see you one point out of it. We preached through this in the summer of 2014, so if you want to go listen to those, you can check those out on podcast. Colossians 3, verse 18. Here's what it says. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, and so here we go. Watch this, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And so what Paul is getting out here is that one of the ways we serve God is by serving others. One of the ways we love God is by loving others. Like we do these things, we try to be excellent wives and husbands and children and parents and employees, not ultimately for them, but for the Lord. You're serving the Lord Christ. all right. Like over and above any uh, job that you work, right, any way you serve, and by the way, working a job is serving the community, all right. building the economy, making profits, hiring more people, that blesses others. But over and above any job that you work and any way that you serve the church or the community, Ultimately, the one you're serving is the Lord. And so serve like that, that you're serving Him. Work like that, that you're working for Him. Live like that, that you're living for Him. You are serving Jesus. Matt Perman puts it like this, a great work is not given to God if God is not the great end in what you do or give. Good works without this motive of love for God may do much temporal good, which is commendable in its own right, but they will have no ultimate spiritual or eternal value because you've missed the most important point. God. And so we're to serve under the lordship of Jesus and in the example of Jesus. Okay, so he's our Lord, and he's commanded us to serve, and he's our example, and he's modeled for us what it is to serve in humility. And so, number one, serving is commanded. Number two, serving is modeled. Number three, motivation matters. Motivation matters. And we've already hit on this a little bit that you can, you know, quote unquote, serve. But it's not real service because it's ultimately about you. There's an ulterior motive. And so our motivation matters. Right, big time. Like in, in our serving, modeled after Jesus, in humility, considering others more significant than ourselves, Philippians 2, right, we should be motivated by gratitude. That, 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 so here, here's how. When you look at... At who God is. Holy. Sovereign. All powerful. All knowing. All good. Eternal. When when you look at God's nature and character and his attributes. And then you look at who we are. Sinners. In rebellion against God. And you recognize that he's still came after us in Christ. Knowing every thought, every word, every deed that we've ever done or ever will do, knowing all that, He still came after us in Christ. And He still set His affections on us to save us, not on the basis of anything worthy in us or deserving, but on the basis only of what Jesus did for us. His perfect life in the place of our imperfect one, His uh, substitutionary, sacrificial death in the place of our deserved death and His resurrection as a foretaste of our resurrection. When you get that, it's all of grace. You and I do nothing. It's completely unmerited and undeserved. When you get that, will drive you to gratitude. That before you and I can do any serving of God, He first served us. That's what He says in Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. He came to serve you. And die for you. And rise for you. He came to save you, to forgive you, which is another motivation. We we serve out of our forgiveness, not out of our guilt. We serve not so that we can be forgiven, but because we are forgiven. Matt Perman again, he says, embracing the truth that God accepts us apart from our serving is the precise thing that causes us to excel in serving. Like, we can serve because we don't have to. God's accepted us on the basis of what Jesus did, not on the basis of whether we do it perfectly or not. The doctrine of justification by faith, this is permanent still, frees us to serve our neighbor because we no longer have to worry about our own acceptance before God. The Christian does not have to worry about his right standing with God because that was taken care of at the cross. He is thus truly free. And how will he use this freedom? To serve, just as Jesus did. It's this freedom that allows our serving to truly be serving. We're not compelled. We don't have to. He loves us anyhow. He commands it. He models it. But our motivation has got to be out of our freedom that ultimately rolls down into the ultimate central point of our motivation, which is love. So I'll connect those two points. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Page 633. I get myself confused up here because I'm like page 633 and I'm like, I'm on page 1,512. Galatians 5, page 633, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. There it is. We're free. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through, give me that word, love serve one another. Let's read that last part starting with but through all together, all out loud. But through love, serve one another. That means that we're sometimes going to do things that we don't naturally want to do because we love somebody. That's what love does. It does things that it doesn't naturally want to do because it loves somebody. And So I was reading a book this week um, that spoke about a missionary in Africa. And he was asked, like, do you like what you're doing? All right. And his his, not Chris, by the way, okay? Not Chris. But the, the guy's response was shocking at first, but hear him all the way to the end. Do I like this work? No. My wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonably refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. But is a man to do nothing for Christ he does not like? God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to serve, and so we serve. Love constrains us. That's ultimately... Where our service comes from. Love. For God vertically and then for others horizontally. In the church and in the community. And where there's not service to God. And to our neighbors. To the church and to the community. You have to ask, is there love? Again, it's possible to serve and not love. That's absolutely possible. But it's not possible to love and not serve anybody. That's an impossibility. To say, I love God, but I'm not going to serve Him is, is, is a farce. To say, I love God, but I'm not ever going to serve in the church is a farce. To say, I love God, but I'm never going to serve the community is Does not equal sign. We are to gather for worship. We're to grow in groups. We're to serve the church and community. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. He's our Lord. He's our example. He's commanded it. He's modeled it. And our motivations, he's told us, matter. And so very practically then, how does this work? How does it play itself out here at Providence? Like being practical on this. Well, number four, let's talk about two avenues of service, church and community. Okay, church and communities. When we're talking about church, service to the saints, right? The book of Galatians is written to the church through love, serve one another. Paul wrote that to the church at Galatia saying, hey, through love, you guys need to serve one another. He's talking about the church there. We look at Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. he's saying, hey, do all these things for the upbuilding of the church. The upbuilding of the church. The upbuilding of the church. And so one of the avenues of serving is in the church. The other one's in the community. We love our neighbors as ourselves. It's Not an either or on this. It's a both and. And so I said in the beginning, we're, we're all uniquely gifted as well. God's given us each a unique gift. Each one of us has a vital role to play. You need you, you need you, you need you, I need you, you need me. All of us, we go together. Eyes and ears, and mouth and nose, head and shoulders, knees and toes, right? And so we've got all these unique gifts to serve, but what we sometimes do is we'll be like, well, I'm gifted for this, so I'm not ever going to serve in that, though the need is there. And that's co-opting no, no, no. That's not, that's not that's that's too generous. That's that's using a God given a God given gift as an excuse not to serve. I'm gifted in this, so I can't ever serve in that. No, no, no. You have a special gift for this. Absolutely, serve there. But there's a need here, so serve that as well. It's not just about serving in those places where we're gifted, but also serving where the church, your brothers and sisters, and the community needs it. And I want you to just think for a minute with thankfulness about all the service that's already going on this morning. So, when you got here, there were chairs set up. There were some folks who did that this morning, very early. All this music had been rehearsed, all of this equipment had been set up. There's folks who do that. There's guys, even right now, in the parking lot making sure that everything's good outside. There's a guy in the hall roaming around making sure everything's good. When you walked in, you were greeted. There was coffee. There was someone to check your kids in if you have kids. There was someone to teach and who spent, if you were here for a Bible study, spent some time preparing a message, preparing a lesson. There's folks even right now caring for those of us who have kids in second grade and below, serving so that we can begin hear, hearing. That we need to do what they're doing. And so I want to thank, and we need to thank. Like, when you go pick up your kids, thank them. They're serving you, they're serving the church, they're serving God. They love us enough, and they love the Lord enough, and love the church enough that they'll serve us in a thankless way. And when we serve in the church, like, listen, it, it, if you're interested in something, ask about it, okay? Just ask about it. But, but in getting started in serving the church, here's how you get started. You look around, you see where there's a need, and you jump in there first. And so a couple of just practical ways that we have some immediate opportunities for you to serve are in our kids' ministry and in our hospitality team. Like in our, in our kids' ministry, particularly during this hour, Worship care for those that are in second grade and below. Like if you have a kid who's who who stays over there in during this time, you're on that rotation period. It's just how it is. But there's, what what if a lot of us who don't have kids like took a rotation? Then we could bless these parents. We got some folks who are over there. They teach, and then whatever week winds up being their week to be on worship care, they're there the whole time, right? And all they do is have toddler conversations all week long. They never speak to an adult. And we could serve them. We could serve them. And I mean, like you serve for one hour once every, right now it's eight weeks, but if more people involved, it might be once a quarter. That's low-hanging fruit. That's an easy way to jump in. One hour. If you pass a background check. We also need some folks and have some opportunities for folks to serve on the hospitality team, right? The folks who greet you when you first came through and are at the Connect Center and and check your kids in and all of these things help ferry you. Oh, you don't know where that is. And and let me get you over here. We have opportunities to serve. And both of these things are some sign-up sheets at the Connect Center. So let me encourage you to go out there. But just ask also, like you want to serve in a certain way, Ask about it. I mean, Cody Sellers is our own barista here. And like, if it was up to me, like my thinking with coffee is like, yeah, just go grab some Folgers. We'll brew it up and we'll stick it out there and it'll be fine. And Cody's like, no, no, no. no. So he goes and he buys beans and he roasts beans and he grinds beans. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. but That's all I know. And he's here every Sunday setting that up. And that was his idea. We didn't think of it. He approached us. So there's there's things like that. He's gifted in that. The Lord gave him a gifting. He wanted to use that to serve the Lord. And so he said, hey, what if we tried this? Boom, that's a great idea. Let's go for it. So, So just ask. There's possibilities. I don't know all the giftings and interests and hobbies and whatnot. God's wired into you. You're you. But let's talk and let's see and let's ask. All right, So we serve in the church and then serving in the community. I mean, we've got an ongoing need in the food pantry. We need volunteers there on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 12 when it's actually open. Those are the official hours. We need people to be there when there's special events, when there's special food drives. And then if you're interested in that, let me encourage you to to talk to Miss Debbie, but not right now. And so let me just step over here and, and be... Um, um, well, I'm just going to talk with you. <laughs> i trying to think how it's going to say Debbie's not at work right now. Okay? She works Monday through Thursday. Sunday, she's here to worship. She's not working. So whatever, if you need her for anything, she's glad to help you, but wait till Monday. It can wait. Let her, like serve her by giving her the freedom to come into this place to worship. She's not at work right now, okay? Soapbox over, back to the ranch. And so as it it relates to the community, you've got food pantry, you've got various events and festivals, and we serve especially July the 4th, and there's a new high school coming online. I had lunch with uh, the principal Bill Harlan about two weeks ago, and he was talking about all kinds of possibilities of ways we may be able to Serve the community um through the high school. And I'm gonna grab lunch with the new middle school principal and uh elementary as well and chat about those things. The schools right here with Sunset and Dr. Brown and John's got an awesome relationship with the principal of the elementary school. We park them, we get cussed out because we say you can't park here, but you know that it is what it is. We can serve. And in your community groups, like right, we encourage you. Ha- ha- Figure out a way you can serve as an individual or family. Serve your neighbors. How many of you had all your neighbors over for dinner? Just to get to know them a little bit and see how you might serve them. We are called to serve. To serve the church and the community. 1 Peter chapter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, Use and you don't have to turn there, just listen to this. As each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We gather for worship. We grow in groups. We serve the church and the community. It's commanded, it's modeled, and it's blessed. We need us all in, members one of another, to serve. Let's pray. Lord oh God, I pray that today would be uh, received as a, as a as a word, as a reminder, um, not as a uh, not as a weighty thing, but as an encouragement and as a freedom. We've been freed up to serve, and yes, it's commanded, and yes, it's modeled, and motivation matters. But it's it's a gift, and you've uniquely wired each of us. With different capacities and different gifts, and we need all of that, so that we can be the church that you want us to be, so that we can individually be the Christians that you want us to be, and so that collectively together we can bless the community and and serve them with. For the sake of serving them, and yes, and absolutely, Lord, we you know we're put on this earth. See as many people as we can come to know you and trust you as their Lord and Savior. We're here to make much of you. Also, as part of that, sometimes we just serve or just just do because you served us. And so, Father, would you, Holy Spirit, would you? Massage our hearts. And help us to be honest with ourselves about our motives for serving. And, and Like whether we are or are we in some sort of spiritual unemployment or spiritual retirement. We want to be wholly yours. help us. Know.